We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button, give those five star reviews on Spotify and Apple and everywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Always appreciate you guys. It was the final practice of 2023 Packers training camp. Still feels weird to say. It doesn't mean practices are over. It doesn't mean that final roster decisions have been made. There's a practice on Thursday. I'll be there and we'll break it all down tomorrow as well. Uh, but you know, for as far as fans being able to attend practice, that is done with. You'll then have the preseason game on Saturday. You'll have final cutdowns due on Tuesday, and then we will get into the swing of the regular season. But that didn't stop it from one final extremely hot training camp practice on th- on Wednesday, excuse me. And I think the thing that was kind of cool about it, for me at least, maybe not so much for the players, is that Matt LaFleur really embraced the heat and embraced the conditions and really wanted to, I think, use it to his advantage and really see, I think, where his players were at from a conditioning standpoint. Not only was it 90 plus degrees out on the field, he could have gone into the Don Hudson Center and maybe he didn't want to with it being the last day of training camp for the fans and things like that. But, you know, quite honestly, I think the Packers more often than not would probably prefer to not have to do it in front of the fans and just do it in the friendly confines of the Hudson Center where people can't watch as much. But I'm sure that did play a factor as well, but he didn't want to go inside. He practiced outside. He could have gone with no pads, but you know what he did? He went with full pads. He could have gone shorter practice, right? Hour and 15 minutes. He's done a few of those in the past. No, full two hours. You could go two and a half, but full two hour practice in pads. Like, 
And then the other thing he could have done is he could have had it be maybe a little bit more of like some kicking and punting, some walkthroughs, some things like that. No, they're going to do a ton of team. And in those team drills, they ran the ball a ton, probably more than I've seen in any practice. So he was getting his guys ready for the regular season. That was a bit of like a secondary condition test. You have to go through the condition test on the first day of practice. This was another one to see like, all right, let's see where people are at and let's see how people respond to a massively hot day out at the practice field. And we're going to do a ton of running in team drills outside, in the heat, in pads, et cetera, et cetera. So it was fun to see in that side of things and easy for me to say on the sidelines where I don't have to do actually any physical work. The Twitter fingers certainly got the workout, but we were just fine. We stayed hydrated. You don't have to worry about it. But let's go through what happened at that extremely hot, extremely run heavy practice. First and foremost, the did not participates were the exact same as they were on the previous practice on Tuesday. David Bakhtiari still out resting. Dontavian Wicks, Tarverius Moore, Henry Pearson, Jason Luan, Eric Stokes, who's still on the pup list, Lou Nichols, Tyler Goodson, Devondre Campbell, Luke Tenuta, and Bo Melton all were not practicing. There were three new injuries that took place through the course of practice on Wednesday, which of course you never want to see, especially with an injury list that's starting to pile up just a little bit. One of them was Devontae Wyatt. By all accounts, this was heat, exhaustion, whatever. It sounds like he may have thrown up on the field by some fan accounts, and then he got taken inside with a trainer. He did not return to practice, but he did, you know, do the you know post-practice scrum in the locker room. Sounds like he's going to be just fine. I would expect him to be back at practice in all likelihood on Thursday, but of course we'll keep you updated on that. Anthony Johnson Jr. I was watching all the defenders come out of the Don Hudson Center and everyone's sprinting out on the field and getting ready to practice. And Anthony Johnson Jr. had like the weirdest like sort of jog out onto the field. He just didn't look right. And I didn't know if he was messing around. I didn't know like, I'm like, well, he's out practicing. So clearly he feels good enough, but just didn't look right at all. And then sure enough, two minutes later, goes into the Hudson Center and then he comes back out. It looked like maybe he got a little bit of a, a tape job done. And then he drops out maybe two minutes later, goes back in the Hudson Center with a trainer and then was back out, but never practiced through the remainder of practice. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if there's any injury update there. And then you had a collision, an awkward collision where legs got tangled and everything else between Romeo Dobbs and Darnell Savage. Both were down for a second. Dobbs was able to get up pretty quickly and walk off and there was no issue. He continued to practice from there on out. Darnell Savage, on the other hand, stayed down a little bit longer, then got the assistance of a trainer to go to the sideline. He did not return to practice either. So Devontae Wyatt, Anthony Johnson Jr., Darnell Savage all did not return to practice. There was a slightly scary moment where Christian Watson was down. He kind of got looked at for a little bit, talked to a trainer. He was totally fine. And like the my biggest worry is It looked almost like it was maybe like a soft tissue or maybe there was no contact on the play. I didn't get to see it develop, but just the way like he was not involved in the play in any capacity. So of course your heart sinks immediately of like, oh, like this would just be the worst, right? And then he was able to return to practice quickly thereafter, did the team drills, finished practice. So no concerns there with Christian Watson, but Devontae Wyatt, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Darnell Savage all left and did not return. And of course, again, we'll keep you updated after Thursday's practice as to where those players stand and if they did return to practice or not on Thursday. 
your starting lineups for the day. Offensive line, Rasheed Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom. Getting easier and easier to project this as your day one, well, Bakhtiarian for Walker, of course. But outside of that, Myers seems to have the starting center spot wrapped up. They have not put Zach Tom there in a while now. And Zach Tom has been taking all the starting reps at right tackle. Meanwhile, Yash Nyman has been losing reps to Rashid Walker. It just seems pretty well set that this is going to be Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Tom. Jordan Love, of course, at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back, Josiah DeGuara and Luke Musgrave at tight end, or whatever you want to call DeGuara at this point, Christian Watson at wide receiver, and Romeo, no, not Romeo Dobbs at wide receiver, not Jaden Reed at wide receiver, not Grant DuBose, not Dontavian Wicks. It was Malik Heath with the starters. Now, they have been rotating players through at a variety of different positions quite a bit here, but it was telling that on the very first snap, of team activities, it was Malik Heath. Do I think he's challenging Romeo Dobbs for his spot? I do not. Do I think he's challenging Jaden Reed for the next spot? I do not. But the fact that they are like, they're not getting Jadakus Bonds out there or Cody Crest out there. We haven't really even seen Dontavian Wicks or Grant DuBose, you know, out there with the ones, like, especially on a first team rep or anything like that. I'm not willing to look you in the eye and tell you that Malik Heath has a roster spot locked in, but my goodness, if he's getting the first rep with team, that that seems fairly telling that they like this guy and they're putting the time, effort, and energy into him. There's always the situation where maybe they just want to get an extra look at what he can bring to the table, but this seems, and especially with what he's done in preseason and what he's done in camp, I'm again, I can't lock him in. I can't, I can't get to quite that point yet, but I think he's a pretty good bet to make the roster at this point. Your starting defense, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and then Devontae Wyatt, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary at edge, Quay Walker at inside linebacker, Jair Nixon and Douglas at corner with Nixon in the slot. And then it was Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage before Savage went out with the injury as your starting safety. So we talked about Malik Heath and him getting that first rep. Now, second rep, I think he was out and I think Dobbs came in right after that. So it's not like he just was with the starters all day or anything like that, but it's still first rep team. He's out there right away. That That's interesting, right? Apparently per Bill Huber, Caleb Jones got some reps with the ones at left tackle as well. That could just be, and Brian Gudikins mentioned this in his press conference last week, that again, they've wanted to get different players with different looks at the ones just to sort of see what that looks and feels like. That feels a little bit more like that, but interestingly enough that he did get some of those reps at left tackle. Again, that is per Bill Huber. I did not see that myself. They have been running a lot of this five-man front defense. So edge rusher, edge rusher, three defensive linemen in between, and then one inside linebacker with five defensive backs. So it's like a 5-1-5 if we're almost talking like a soccer lineup, right? But again, you've got the two edge rushers and the three defensive linemen making up that five-man front, then one inside linebacker. You've got your slot corner, two outside corners, two safeties. And those safeties have been playing playing pretty deep, right? Very similar to what we've seen from a Joe Barry defense. And you'll see safeties creep down certainly from time to time. But just interesting and not super just because they've run this defense in the past, right? But we have seen it quite a bit. And that partially could be due to Devondre Campbell being out right now and just wanting to practice maybe a little bit more with some of their other guys on the field. But that's an interesting one to keep an eye on and just see if they do start running that a little bit more. They did run it in preseason as well in the games, but 
interested in that. And then, like I said, when Savage went down, it was Jonathan Owens primarily taking his spot. All right, let's jump into Jordan Love's day right away. He ended the day 9 of 15, one touchdown, one interception per Bill Huber. As always, make sure to check out Bill's work over at SI. Does a phenomenal job tracking all the statistics, which I am really bad at and can't stand doing. So kudos to him. And again, make sure to check out his daily practice reports, which are phenomenal. Uh, but per Bill, he was 9 of 15, one touchdown, one pick. One thing that I don't think was included in that number, simply because I think he was down covering the one-on-ones and it wouldn't have been included in this anyway, but Jordan in the seven-on-sevens, as again, offensive lineman versus defensive lineman on one side and one-on-ones, and then you got seven-on-sevens on the other side. Very first play, Jaden Reed beats Keyshawn Nixon. Looks like Nixon may have fell down on the play a little bit. Either way, Love hits Reed in stride for probably what would have been a 60-yard touchdown to open seven on seven. So that was obviously a great way to start for Jordan. And then he had some really impressive throws throughout the course of the day. There was a like a double move by Tucker Craft in the middle of the field. He's looking right side, really getting the defense to buy to that right side. I think it was almost like a no-look pass, like up the middle of the field where the defense is like completely flowing one way and especially because of Jordan's eye movement. And then he just gets it going the other way and Tucker Craft comes right up the seam and he's going for a big gain up the middle, which was awesome to see. Then the next one, um, I thought he did a really nice job on a throw to Romeo Dobbs where he's kind of looking and looking and looking and then he sees Dobbs open up, but there's a really small window and he just drops his arm angle and slides it through there and gets it to Dobbs. Wasn't a big pickup, but it has been noticeable just how easy it's been for Jordan to sort of drop the arm angle and get off the throws that he needs to get off under different platforms, under duress, using a different arm angle. Whatever he needs to do, he's been able to do it. That was an impressive play. He had then a almost touchdown to Luke Musgrave. And there, like, I know maybe the cynic will say like, hey, there's been a lot of almost touchdowns. Yes, there have been at times, but this one was no fault of Jordan's. Jordan hit Luke Musgrave one-on-one with Rudy Ford, corner route, back of the end zone, and gave Musgrave plenty of room to come down with the ball. I think Musgrave just lost track of where he was. He catches the ball, high points it, perfect ball from Jordan. Ford had no chance, used all of Musgrave's frame. Musgrave plucks it out of the air, comes down, one foot in, turns around, other foot out of bounds. Like I said, I think he just completely lost track of where he was. There should have been plenty of space for Musgrave to get both feet in, just ultimately didn't do it. But again, no fault of Jordan's in any capacity Kudos to Musgrave. Later in the, so there's 17 seconds left, end of the half, 0-0. You're at the 20-yard line and or 25-yard line, whatever. It was either I think it was 20-yard line. And Love is, you know, got 17 seconds, no timeouts. You're trying to either get better field goal range or you're trying to get a shot into the end zone before half, right? And you want to use up a little bit more of those, you know, of the time so there's not time left for the other team. So they're taking a shot in the end zone on this play. Remember the previous day he hit Watson in the end zone for a touchdown in the same scenario. So he's going this time to Musgrave. He's got to get in between two defenders and in front of the, you know, back of the end zone. So Musgrave's not out of bounds again. He threads it perfectly between two defenders. Musgrave makes the sliding catch in the back of the end zone. Picture perfect stuff from Love and Musgrave for a big touchdown conversion in that scenario. So that was a great play. He had a perfect deep crosser to Christian Watson. Unfortunately, despite the practice up until that point, 
being pretty fantastic and hitting almost everything that he possibly could, including some pretty big wild throws. In the two-minute drive, he gets a first down, and then ultimately there's, a, I think, a, maybe like a third down, and he tries to force one into Romeo Dobbs in his very last pass of training camp, despite taking really great care of the football through almost the entirety of camp. He throws one. It's a 50-50 ball, right? This is not a, he threw a ball and, you know, Razul Douglas just stepped in front of it or he didn't see the defender. He threw a 50-50 ball. Both Romeo Dobbs and Razul Douglas had the opportunity to, to, to kind of pull it away. It was Douglas that ultimately pulled it away, got the interception. I don't think a great read slash throw from Jordan, but not super egregious either. Just ended up that Razul made a really nice play. If I were to take something away from that play, it would be more tip of the cap to Razul Douglas than, oh my gosh, I can't believe Jordan made that play. But one he would probably like to have back nonetheless, certainly with the benefit of hindsight. But overall, I thought it was a really nice day for Jordan again. Just probably would have liked to have ended his training camp on anything other than a interception in a two-minute drill, right? So it is what it is. But other than that, like I said, really nice day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You have all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today, and I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire's sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. 
As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your before you buy. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. He did stay after practice and high-fived and signed autographs and stayed a super long time to chat with, you know, to, to meet with fans and again, sign those autographs. So face of the franchise stuff, there's more to it than just playing quarterback in Green Bay and really basically everywhere, right? You are the face of the franchise. You have a certain obligation to fans and media and everything. It's just, it it comes with the territory and, and Jordan's done a really great job with that aspect of it as well. Meanwhile, another player of the day, besides Jordan Love, Jadakiss Bonds, who has now put together back-to-back really nice days. Yesterday, he had a near big completion down the field uh, where he got open, but just Magoo couldn't hit him. They came back at the end of practice and hit like an 80-yard touchdown uh, towards the end of practice on a really big play. That was awesome to see. Then today, you had a 90-yard touchdown, um, or sorry, there was 90-yard yesterday. Then on this one, he had uh, Hooper completely beat and Sean Clifford hit him for a big gain down the field. I couldn't tell from my vantage point if it was a touchdown or what, but super, uh, you know, super play from both Sean Clifford and Jadakis Bonds, Jada Kiss Bonds. And, you know, that was his, his next big play. And then you finally get to the two minute drill with Sean Clifford at quarterback. And Clifford throws a sideline ball to him that's, you know, it's a little bit of a lofted ball and, and Bonds is going to have to adjust to it and make sure that he gets under it and finds a way to secure the catch and gets out of bounds. Bonds did all of it, used all of his size, high pointed the ball, you know, really made sure that he controlled it and then got, got his feet in and then got out of bounds. Like it was a really impressive play from Bonds who now has three really big plays in just two days. Big plays have not been easy to come by, especially in the modern NFL where the defenses are playing deep and making sure they can't beat you. Big plays from Bonds, three of them, in fact, and could have been four in two consecutive days. The next thing I want to talk about is the rookies, because there have been some different phases of camp where like Luke Musgrave has been really the talk of almost all training camp, right? Jaden Reed started really slow in OTAs and mini camps, didn't do a whole heck of a lot, then just immediately turned it on in training camp and has been nonstop ever since. Carrington Valentine has had his moment in the sun and his time to shine. And then Carl Brooks has been pretty darn consistent throughout the entirety of camp. Even Sean Clifford's had some moments as well, right? But what I was thinking of is like, of all of them, and more maybe more specifically, out of Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed, 
I can't tell at this point who I'm more excited for. Jaden Reed had another really nice day of practice. The seven on seven touchdown, the 60 yarder that I talked about. He also had another nice completion right away in team drills from Jordan. He continues to impress and like be well ahead of where I would have expected a rookie wide receiver at this point. I still think I'm a little bit more excited about Musgrave, but Jaden Reed is in that conversation. He is going to have an impact from day one. Those two have been involved in everything Jordan has done. And we talk about like Aaron sort of being allergic to the middle of the field and Jordan being much more, you know, willing to use that portion of the field. It's besides Aaron's risk averseness, you have to have players that can win in the middle of the field. And lately the tight ends and the slot wide receivers for Green Bay, specifically like, you know, guys like Amari Rogers and and Tunyon and those guys like it, they just haven't had the, the players, the dynamic playmakers in the middle of the field. Even Randall Cobb, who he trusted, was no longer that dynamic player, right? Now you've got Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed working the middle of the field that you're going to want to look there a little bit more often if that's where those two guys are operating, right? So yes, I think Jordan Love more willing to throw in that area, but he's got a couple guys that can go out and make him look really good because of what they're doing out on the field. So I'm excited about both of those rookies and both of them have been really, really impressive players. And yes, a couple hiccups here and there, right? Luke Musgrave had the play where he comes down out of bounds that it should have been a touchdown in a real game that's seven points off the board potentially because you didn't know where you were on the field and couldn't get your feet down. So those mistakes are like okay in practice because you see the potential and, and what they can become. If those continue to happen in games, it becomes more of an issue. So we will see. No telling once actual games start what Reed and Musgrave will ultimately become, but it's hard not to be excited about both of their progress and just where they're at right now as rookies in training camp. All right, let's run down the rest of the notes from practice. Lucas Van Ness, interestingly enough, in individual drills was working with the defensive linemen. Now, not like super noteworthy because it's been noted in the past and he's worked in team and OTAs and mini camps on the defensive line. It's been noted that they want to be able to use him as edge as an as well as an interior defensive lineman. So, but still the full day of individual drills, he worked in on the interior of the defensive line and guys like Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, etc. So that was interesting. However, once you got the team drills, LVN was on the edge the entire time. So Noteworthy, but take it with at least some grain of salt because when he was with team, he continued to practice on the outside. Great to see Rashawn Gary back practicing for his second consecutive day with team. So that was a really nice sign. TJ Slayton had a nice day as well. He was consistently getting into the backfield. You love to see that. I thought it was somewhat fitting for Razul Douglas. I know it's awful for Jordan's last throw of training camp in front of fans to be an interception in two minutes, but it was fitting for Razul to get that pick. He's been awesome. From day one of camp up until now, had one long touchdown that he allowed against the Patriots in the two-minute drill. Outside of that, has kind of been shut down and at least at minimum has contested just about everything. So he's had a fantastic camp and it more than worthy of getting that interception in the two-minute drill. He also early in practice had great coverage. So that Jadakus Bonds uh, big throw that I talked about, there. so A's are over here, B's are over there, and... I think sometimes they run the same plays. If I were a defender, I would look over and see what the offense was running on the other side first and then then run my play and kind of know what was coming, I think, from time to time. It's not always the case, so you can't know for sure. But Clifford hits Jadakus Bonds for that huge play. On the other side, the ones are running it, 
and they're trying to hit Romeo Dobbs, I think, on that exact same play. Unfortunately, or for the offense, fortunately for the defense, Razul Douglas was having none of it. He was physical at the point of attack, and he completely shut down that play and that route. So really great camp for Razul, and he finished it with a pick in the two-minute drill of Jordan Love. Talked yesterday about how I've been tough on Josiah DeGuara, but I thought he was really great in practice on Tuesday. Some really impressive blocks. You know what he did on Wednesday? Followed it up with a another really nice day of practice with a few really impressive blocks as well. He had a great block on a running play to spring AJ Dillon for a nice gain. He had another great blitz pickup. He was in the backfield. Um, it, it, you know, if he's a tight end, he's just like an H back there, right? But whatever you want to call him, it doesn't matter. But Jones on one side, Deguara on the other. They bring a blitz. Deguara picks it up perfectly. Also had a catch in team drills from uh, Sean Clifford. So just really uh, two straight days of nice practice from Josiah Deguara, which you love to see. Like, I know that everyone's immediate jump to conclusion of just like, oh, this guy sucks. Cut him. Just get rid of him. Just cut him. Get rid of him. I'm always going to be the one that's just like, Hey, I've been tough on Josiah Deguara and I don't see it. And I, I even went as far as saying like, I don't know that he would be worthy of a you know roster spot based on what I had seen in camp at that time, but I want him to succeed. I want him to do awesome. I want him to just figure it out and be a really great H back and be like that Kyle Juszczyk type player. That's what I want to see. And I'm not saying he's reached that level in the last two days, but he's put two really nice days of practice back to back. And hopefully this is a little bit of a turning point for DeGuara, who I think a lot of people knew he was overdrafted in the third round while also kind of being excited for what he could potentially bring to the table. I'm hoping we start seeing a little bit more of this from DeGuara, who's again, the, the blocking especially the past two days has been really, really good. It's also time for us to start talking about Sean Clifford as the two-minute drill master. He has had a plethora of of two-minute drives that he's been able to bring the number twos down uh, down the field and get points out of, even against the Patriots in the you know in the joint practices against the Patriots. I believe that he had this last game that he went down and got points in the two-minute drill as well. So he did it again on the very last drive of, of training camp. He brings his number two offense down and he scores. Here was the the drive. So I think they started at like their own thirty. And like a minute 47 left, no time or one timeout, excuse me. And it's first and 10. So here's, here's everything that happened on the first play. You had an immediate pressure by Colby Wooden. He completes a pass to Cody Crest, but Valentine's right there. It's a four yard gain, but the clock runs. Second play was a throwaway. Third play was a complete to Cody Crest for a first down and Crest was able to get out of bounds. Then was that 30-yard play to Jadakiss Bonds right along the sideline, and he was able to get out of bounds. Actually, maybe he didn't get out of bounds. I, I couldn't tell on the play if he got out of bounds or if they had to call a timeout. Either way, clock stopped after it. First and 10, ball in the opposing team's 24 after that big play. A minute and seven seconds left, no timeouts. Check down to Emmanuel Wilson for three yards. Clock continues to run. Throw away. So now you're third and seven with 45 seconds left. Then it was incomplete to Jadakiss Bonds along the sideline. A big fourth down play coming up. Grant DuBose runs a phenomenal route against Innes Gaines. Sean Clifford hits him in stride for the touchdown, followed up by a two-point conversion attempt, sprint out by Sean Clifford, complete to Deuce Watts. If you had your bingo card as Sean Clifford to Deuce Watts for a two-point conversion on the very last play of training camp for the win in the two-minute drill, 
congratulations. You are a winner. You are spot on. That's how practice and training camp ended for 2023. Unfortunately for Ennis Gaines, he was on the touchdown in coverage on the touchdown to, uh, to DuBose and on the two-point conversion to Watts. So not a great end of practice for him, but really nice job by Sean Clifford leading another two-minute drive. That's just sort of the gamer that he is. He finds a way and it's been really impressive. He's, he's been great in camp for a guy that people thought shouldn't have been drafted, ended up going in the late fifth round. He, he's been impressive and I think has completely earned that number two quarterback spot so far. There are three different plays that Lucas Van Ness made plays at or around uh, the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage in the running game. Now, two of them were against tight ends. One of them was unblocked, but you can only do what's given in front of you. And he took advantage of it and made made plays on all three of those plays. With the injuries at safety to Anthony Johnson Jr. and to Darnell Savage, Tyrell Ford got a little bit of a look at safety. Originally, he was kind of a safety, maybe corner, but they've been using him more at corner. But in this practice with the injuries, he got a look at safety. So we'll see if that carries over to the preseason game. And then last but not least, Anders Carlson did not miss any field goals on Wednesday's practice. They lined up, snapped it. He just didn't kick it. There were no uprights. It was simulated. He didn't actually kick any ball in, in practice for for field goal attempts, but he didn't miss any, which is a step in the right direction for Anders Carlson. Hopefully he turns it around well uh, and, and, and figures it out. He's got an awesome leg. You want to see him put it together, but it has certainly been a struggle for Anders, but a zero for zero day in the books on Wednesday. Thursday will be another practice. My guess is it'll be a little bit on the lighter side, but we'll see. Either way, I'll break it down for you all here tomorrow on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Make sure not to miss it. Again, subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!